Almighty God, we, we thank and praise you for, for being such an amazing God. A God who pours down upon us your love and your mercy. Tonight, Lord, as we explore, as we dig deeper into who you are and your heart, may we rejoice. May we rejoice in, in the God who blesses us even when we don't deserve it. Hear us, Lord God, as we come here in this place, as we offer up to you our, our worship, our confession, our prayers. Hear us, bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'd like to just start off by asking you to read this passage from Psalm 145, verse 8. Would you please read this with me? God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. Right. So God is a gracious, gracious God, which means that God loves to, as we just saw in that little video clip, he loves to, to pour out his, his love and bless people who don't deserve it. I mean, it's just, it's just his nature. What's really important, though, is that we understand that we will never fully understand what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ until we understand God's grace. And I would argue the more you understand God's grace, the more you will understand God's heart. And the more you understand God's heart, the more you're going to want to be drawn closer to him and love him and be grateful to him. As George mentioned a moment ago, we're going to look at God's grace over the next couple of weeks. And you got to understand something. God's grace is like a multifaceted diamond, okay? There's all these different aspects of it. And you can't confine God's grace to a single, simple definition. I, I realize that people do define grace in a variety of ways. Some people will say it's God's love in action. Other people will say, it's God giving me what I need, not what I deserve. Still other people will say that grace is the face God wears when he looks at my failures. And those are all fine. But God's grace is so much more than all of that. And so as we begin this series, we're going to look at some of these different expressions of God's grace as revealed in his word. As we start this series, we're going to experience God's unveiled grace. We're going to peel back the veils. We're going to look at all these different areas and in the process, discover the heart of our amazing, gracious God. Today, as we start things off, we're going to unveil or pull back the veil on a grace that cleanses. And frankly, that's good news. It should be good news for each and every one of you because we all struggle with this thing called guilt. In James 2, verse 10, it says, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. So we're all in the same boat, folks. Like it or not, we're all sinners. We're all guilty. And if you're like a normal human being, you would have to agree, guilt stinks. Right? It's not fun. It's not good. David says it this way in Psalm 38, my guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden too heavy to bear. And so while, great, while guilt does at times feel like this, this crushing weight that is, that is 
that is smashing down upon you. I, I, I want you to understand, guilt, is, it, guilt isn't just designed to make you feel bad. Guilt is something that, that God uses to kind of wake you up and get you to realize you've just rolled off the tracks. So just like those little warning lights that you'll see on the dashboard of your car that says something's wrong, and that you should take your car in to get it fixed. And just as though you probably wouldn't even dream about ignoring those warning lights, you can. You, know, you wouldn't pretend they're not there, you can. But your car's not gonna get better magically on its own, right? It's, it'd probably get worse. So I want you to understand, when God uses guilt as a little warning light for you, you can, if you want, you can try to ignore it. You can try to pretend it's not there, but you're not going to just magically get better. In fact, I would argue you will get worse. So what I want to do today is I want to just kind of look at this whole area of guilt. I want to look at how we as human beings try to handle our guilt versus how God handles our guilt for us with his cleansing grace. But before I go there, there are two things that we need to understand about guilt. There are two types of guilt, okay? This is what we need to understand. The first type of guilt is what I'm just going to call genuine guilt. And genuine guilt is the guilt, of course, that God works in your heart when you've done something wrong. And every human being that has ever lived has experienced genuine guilt. But along with genuine guilt is false guilt. And while genuine guilt comes from God by the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, to convict you when you're doing something wrong, False guilt can come from different sources. For one thing, it can come from your own mind. Right? You can beat yourself up mentally saying, you know, you were such a failure. You know, you call that acceptable? You haven't finished any of these things yet. You're such a loser. You can beat yourself up with false guilt. It's terrible, but people do that. Another kind of false guilt can come when you are part of a situation that's out of your control. Okay, a situation that is out of your control and you're actually wrapped into somebody else's sin and that somebody else could be a parent, it could be a friend, and the sin could be verbal abuse or physical abuse or emotional abuse. And even though you're not at fault, you still somehow feel like it is. That's false guilt. False guilt is when you refuse to forgive yourself. False guilt is when you ask God to forgive you and you don't feel forgiven, and the list goes on and on. But you can see there is a difference between the two, between genuine guilt and false guilt. So the question that begs to be asked is, how do you know if you're wrestling with guilt? How do you know if it's the real deal or if it's this fake knockoff called false guilt? Well, there are a couple of questions that you can ask that I think will help. First, to discern whether it's genuine guilt or false guilt, ask yourself, is the focus on people or on God? Right? Genuine guilt, as we've already discovered, comes from God. It's what he thinks about this situation that you're in. Whereas false guilt gets you to focus on what other people are thinking about you and living up to their expectations and trying to get their approval. So is the focus on people or God? A second question you can ask is, is it vague or specific? If you're kind of feeling guilty, but you're not really sure if you're feeling guilty, okay, if it's kind of vague like that, it's probably false guilt. 
probably just, you know, the devil trying to make you feel bad. And I say that because when God is convicting you, when God is trying to get you to realize and wake up that what you're doing is wrong and you need to fix it, he's crystal clear. He's very specific in his word, the Bible. And he'll say, hey, yeah, you, you need to get back on track here. This is how you fix it. Is it vague or specific? A third way to discern whether the guilt is genuine or false is to ask, is it based on rules or relationships? The false guilt usually leaves you thinking, yeah, I broke some rules. Genuine guilt leaves you thinking, I broke somebody's heart. And it might have been a family member or a friend or a complete stranger or even the heart of God himself. But you broke somebody's heart. So, so those are three questions that you can ask that it can help you to determine whether the guilt that you're wrestling with is the real deal or if it's this fake knockoff false guilt. But now that we've established that, let's go back to the original premise and let's take a look at how we as human beings tend to handle our guilt versus how God wants to handle our guilt for us, again, with his cleansing grace. And I just want to spend the, 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 the remainder of time comparing and contrasting the two. So first of all, let's look at our way of handling guilt. And the way that we as human beings handle guilt is nothing new. Okay, we've been handling our guilt this way since the beginning of time, since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. For example, one way that we tend to handle our guilt is we hide. Right? What happened in Adam and Eve's case after they had eaten the forbidden fruit? It says in Genesis 3 verse 8, the man and his wife hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. They're hiding in the bushes thinking that God's not going to find them, that he's not going to figure out, you know, what they did wrong. That doesn't work. Just like it doesn't work to try to cover the warning lights on the, the dashboard of your car, you can't hide your guilt. But people still try. We hide. Sin? What sin? I didn't do anything wrong. We hide. A second way that we try to handle our, by which we try to handle our own guilt is we respond with shame and fear. We do. Continuing on in Genesis 3, it says, The Lord God called to the man, Where are you? Adam answered, I heard you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. I was afraid, fear, because I was naked, shame. Adam and Eve felt, responded with shame and fear. And when we wrestle with guilt, we, that's how we sometimes respond as well. We feel afraid that people are going to find out what we did and they're not going to you know, like us anymore. Or they're going to think less of us or they're going to laugh at us or whatever. We're scared and we're also embarrassed. There's the shame part. Sometimes we shame ourselves out loud even. We say, oh, how could I have been so stupid? That was so dumb. What was I thinking? That's a way that we use to handle our guilt. We respond with fear and shame. A third way is we blame others. This is hands down the most popular approach. And we see it in classic form in Genesis 3. The man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. Just classic case of passing the buck, right? Who does Adam blame? Tell me. Eve, yeah. Or you could even argue, God, the woman you, God, put here with me. Bold move, Adam. It's like, dude. 
And then, and then Eve blames who? Who does Eve blame? The serpent, Satan, right. Right? It is so easy, isn't it, to point your finger everywhere else other than at yourself. We blame others. That's a way by which we handle our guilt. So there are three very common ways, and every human being since Adam and Eve have used all three of these ways. Here's the problem. None of them work. I mean, they may mask your guilt for a little while. They may redirect your guilt away from you for a little while, but they do not remove your guilt at all. Thankfully, we have this verse that shows us God's cleansing grace. This is from 1 John 1, verse 9. I'd like you to read this verse with me. Would you read it, please? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. In that verse, we see unveiled the grace that cleanses. God's grace that cleanses. And what I'd like to do in the time that I got left now with you is just to share with you how God handles the guilt that you carry around with you. How he wants to do it his way, how he empowers you, how he helps you, what he wants you to do, all of the things that he can do for you to cleanse you of your guilt. First thing that God does is that God wants us to confess our sin, right? That's what we learned at the first part of that verse we just read, if we confess our sins. God's way of handling our guilt is for us to just come clean. Say, God, I, I admit it. I did that. I was wrong. I sinned. I sinned. There's all kinds of definitions of the word sin. Probably the one that I remember, because it's, it's easy to remember, and I've learned it since I was a little kid, is just to think about the, the middle letter of the word sin, which is the letter what? Say it. I. Yeah, that's what sin is, right? It's all about me. It's about my plans, about my decisions. It's all about what I want to do. It's about me and pushing God out of the picture. That's sin. And when it comes to sin, we have two choices, don't we? We can either cover up or we can face up. We can either try to cover it up and pretend it didn't happen, kind of like Adam and Eve, or we can face up to it, own up to it, because God knows about it anyway. He already knows, so mind just, well, tell him, right? In Psalm 69, it says, God, you know what I've done wrong. I cannot hide my guilt from you. So you can just go right to God and say, yep, God, this is, this is what I've done. You can confess it to him. And when it comes to confessing your guilt to God, there are a number of approaches you can take. Certainly, you can do it through prayer. Right, when we come to God in prayer, we can, and we're going to, in just a little while, we'll be doing it right before we take part in the Lord's Supper. We can just come to God and, and say, God, I'm sorry. We can do that in prayer. You can do it right now as you're sitting there listening to me. You can sit there and think about, oh, yeah, I did that in school, or I did that at work today, or the, there was this conversation that was not very God-honoring in the car on the way to church. Ugh. Yeah, we got, it's just, so you can just do it. God's always listening. But that's a very common way by which we confess, through prayer. Second way, which is very healthy, is by writing them down. Writing your sins on a piece of paper, writing them down. Maybe it's a sin or sins. And then you take it and crumble it up and you throw it in the trash. And you want to choose a, a trash can that nobody's going to dig through. So like the kitchen trash. Or if you got babies, diaper pails. Nobody's going in after those. 
Or if you feel safe, you can go outside and just burn it. Just burn it. And you can say, God, thank you for taking that sin. Just like the smoke and the ashes blown away, you've taken away my guilt. Now, later on tonight, after my message, we're going to, um, we're, we're going to do this. We're going to actually um, take, you, all of you on your seats had this little parchment piece of paper. And I'm going to invite you to take a pen or a pencil. And I don't know if you have a pen or a pencil in front of you, or maybe there's a crayon or something in there. But you can just write down a sin or a couple of sins. And they're going to have you roll it up, you know, so it's the short way, not the long way. And we're going to have you stick it in these boards that are on the side. And I'll, again, I'll go through all of that with you in a second. And, and it's just a tangible way for you to come up and say, God, here's my sin. I'm going to put it in your lap. I'm giving it to you. And here's what's so cool. This is going to be a, just a tangible act of confession and, and, and God's forgiveness. You're going to come up and we're going to do walk through communion. Uh, but we're gonna, you're going to come up. You're going to stick that in the board. Here's my sin. You're going to receive the, 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 the cross in the, with the ashes as a sign of repentance for your sin. And then, then, best part, you get to receive in bread and wine Christ's true body and blood for the forgiveness of those sins. How cool is that? Very tangible. Now, if you want over the next couple of weeks... Uh, you can come up with some other sins. Maybe you forgot a couple. You can, we're going to have those boards out all through Lent. They'll be up through Good Friday. And if you want, before service, after service, you can write a couple more and stick them up in there. But it's just, this is just another way by which you can confess. A third thing that you can do is by telling, you can confess your sins by telling a trusted Christian friend. Maybe you have told God hundreds of times, you've confessed your sin hundreds of times to God, but you have never, ever told another living human being what you've done. And I would just recommend that because there's, there's a lot of healing. You gotta choose, of course, the right person. They need to be mature in their faith, somebody you can trust as a Christian friend. But, but when you do that, that huge sin gets shrunk down and no longer has power over you. So when it comes to God's version of handling your guilt for you, whether it's through prayer, writing your sins down, telling them to a trusted Christian friend, first thing that God wants us to do is to confess our sins. Second thing that God wants us to do is he wants to trust his character. And we see that spelled out in the second part of that verse that we read. It says he is faithful and just. And in that, we see two key characteristic traits of our God. First, we learned that he is a just God, right? He cannot wink away your sin. He cannot ignore it or pretend that it's not there. He is a just God. Justice has to be served. Sin has to be punished. The good news is that God punished Jesus instead of us. He punished Jesus for the sin that we've committed. Romans 3 Let's read this together. We are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So God is a just God. And as an act of justice, God takes all of the guilt that you have, that I have, that all of the world has, and he heaps it upon the cross of his son, Jesus. Jesus paid the penalty so that we wouldn't have to. And it's because God is a just God. 
The second characteristic trait that we learn is that God is also a faithful God. Which means that when God says, you're forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross, you can trust that promise. In Hebrews 10, it says, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. As a human being, you're going to sin again and again, but you can trust that God will forgive you again and again. That's what the cross is all about. That's why Jesus died. Okay, just understand, we do not become the people God wants us to be because of guilt. We become the people God wants us to be because we trust in his character and in his offer of grace that cleanses. The third thing, third way by which God handles our guilt is that he also wants us to trust that he will cleanse us. Unlike our attempts to cleanse ourselves, God actually does it. The last part of 1 John 1, 9 says, he, if we confess our sins, he will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And notice it doesn't say that he will cleanse us from most of it or a lot of it. What's the word there? Circle, say it out loud. Yeah, isn't that the most beautiful little three-letter word? Love that word. In John 3, 18, it says, whoever believes in him, in Jesus, is not condemned. When you believe that Jesus is your savior, that he died for you, you are declared not guilty. Now, it doesn't mean that you're never going to sin or make a mistake or fail. It doesn't mean that. It just means that when you sin or fail and make a mistake, you can always go to God. You can confess it to him and trust that he will wash you clean with his grace. Now, some of you may be sitting here and you're still kind of trying to recognize just how amazing or wrap your mind around how amazing God's grace is. Because maybe you're thinking to yourself, you don't know what I've done. You don't know how many people I've hurt and how I've hurt them over the years. I don't deserve to be forgiven, not for, not for what I've done. I deserve to carry this guilt. Still others of you, guilt is like this strange best friend. I mean, it's what motivates you, gets you up in the morning. You feel guilty if you don't get going right away. So you have a little guilt for breakfast, gets you through the day. You have a little guilt right before you go to bed, kind of like a little nighttime snack. You're very comfortable with your guilt. Still others of you, guilt is an enemy that you've been running from all your life. You're still trying to pretend that it's not there. You're using all kinds of tricks to hide it. Regardless, regardless, what I'd like to do is just close by having you read this last verse with me. Would you read this? It's from Psalm 32. Let's read it together. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Isn't that verse amazing? Some of you, you need the first part of that verse. You need to acknowledge your sin. You need to say, God, I did it. It's mine. I, 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 I'm tired of trying to handle it on my own. I'm a sinner. Some of you need to, to look at that first part. Others of you need to look at the second part there. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Some of you, it's, it's taken you 10, 20, 30 years to move from that first part to the second part. That's way too long. Don't wait. Don't wait. We are in a season of Lent. And it's a time for us to recognize the fact that God can handle our guilt for us. And, 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 and as we work through this series, that's my prayer for you, that you would come to God with your guilt, 
that you would confess it, that you would believe that Jesus is, uh, that God is faithful and just, and through the blood of Jesus, he will wash your guilt away. Because that's the kind of God we have. So let me just challenge you in a couple of ways. <clears throat> First of all, let me just challenge you during this season of Lent to recognize the difference between genuine and false guilt. Very big difference, okay? You don't want to waste your energy wrestling with false guilt. Maybe you can go through those three questions. Second, seek God's forgiveness for trying to handle guilt your way. It doesn't work to hide, to respond with shame or fear or to blame others. Let God handle your guilt. And then the third thing is rejoice in God's gift of cleansing grace through Jesus. Rejoice in the fact that you can bring your guilt to God. Doesn't matter what you've done, doesn't matter how long you've done it or how long ago you've done it, you can bring your guilt to God, you can trust, you can confess your sin, you can trust in his character, and you can believe that he has the power, not just today on Ash Wednesday, but all your life long, to take your guilt and wash it away. Would you pray with me, please? Let's pray. Father, if we're honest, we would have to agree that we've all done wrong things things that have been hurtful, things that have filled us with guilt. Lord, we're tired. We're so tired of trying to handle our guilt on our own. It doesn't work, and we, we know that. So thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross and to pay that penalty for us. Now, by your Spirit's power, help us to live out each day in the knowledge that when we do mess up, we can always come to you in confession, trust in your character, and enjoy your cleansing grace through the blood of Jesus. Bless this series, Lord, and bless us through it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.